Uh, praise the Lord, everyone. Uh, Brother Christopher Walker here. I'm so glad that uh, you were able to join me uh, for this Sunday school lesson today. Uh, hopefully you all have been having an awesome weekend. I'm sure that many of you uh, have been celebrating uh, the 4th of July with barbecue, uh, fireworks, uh, and just a little time off work. That is definitely how I have been spending my weekend. Uh, but now um, it's time to get into the word of God. And so uh, we're going to go to Exodus uh, chapter 3 verse 6. Again, that's Exodus chapter 3 verse 6. Uh, and I, I want everyone to know uh, that this lesson today is for imperfect people. Uh, if you are a perfect person uh, and you've never messed up, you don't have any flaws, uh, this lesson is not for you. Uh, but I want to talk to the imperfect people today uh, because God, he still uses imperfect people. And so, again, let's go to our scripture, Exodus 3, 6. And here's how it reads. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. If you could uh, join me in prayer right now and let's just ask uh, for God's favor to be with us uh, as we go over this lesson. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you again so much for this day. You truly are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Lord, I pray in this place right now that you would you would cause our ears to be unstopped, uh, that you would cause our hearts to, uh, Father, to be plowed up into fertile ground, uh, that we may receive your word on today, God. I pray that someone would hear this message, Lord, and be encouraged, Lord God, that they would be encouraged to go on and do what you have called them to do, Lord. I pray that you would use me to speak to this people today in Jesus name I pray amen amen and so I want to start today by by asking you a question if you were God what would you want people to refer to you as I mean there are many names or should I say titles uh, given uh, in the Bible specifically the Old Testament but if you were God uh, what would you want people to call you uh, maybe you like uh, being maybe you would like being called the most high. You know, there's no one higher or maybe the holy one. Uh, what about king of kings or, or the Lord of hosts? Uh, what would you have people refer to you as? Uh, I asked this question uh, because <clears throat> throughout the Old Testament, um, definitely in the very beginning uh, Genesis, uh, we find that the most popular uh, title or one of the more popular titles uh, that God is referred to as is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And so the question is, why in the world would God choose this title uh, for people to refer to him, him as? Uh, it's almost like giving credit uh, to other individuals, you know, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, you know, somewhat taking away uh, from his attributes. Uh, but I believe that God, he did this on purpose. Uh, the title Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, uh, it represents 
the founding fathers of the faith that, you know, we believe in today. Uh, but not only that, uh, these three names refer to three men who were not perfect. Uh, you would think that God would have used the most perfect men on the face of the planet to refer uh, or to use in a title that many people would refer to him. Uh, but no, he used regular men, just regular men uh, that committed their lives unto him. And they were imperfect. I think that's key. They were imperfect. Uh, he, I think one of the reasons he was called this name is because he is a God of imperfect people. If he wanted to, God could have made people perfect. He could have made them into robots and they would have done exactly everything that he had wanted them to do, uh, would have obeyed him. Uh, no one would have disagreed. No one would have sinned. And, you know, life could have been, you know, uh, perfect uh, if we can put it in those terms. But God, he has given us choice. And because of that, uh, we are imperfect. And God, he still desires to use us, um, even though we are imperfect. Uh, one of the, the major uh, individuals in scriptures that many of you are aware of uh, was a guy by the name of Moses. And uh, many of us know that he was an imperfect person. Um, Moses did something that many of us will probably never do. And that is murder or kill a man. Uh, Moses, although he grew up in the house of Pharaoh, the palace of Pharaoh, and he was being trained. Uh, he was being trained in all of their knowledge and, and whatnot. We find that he murdered an Egyptian man. And he then disappears for 40 years in a desert. But yet God still did not forget about him. I mean, it shows the mercy and the grace of God. Uh, I wonder sometimes, did Moses, did he, in those 40 years, I'm asking, uh, did Moses still have a personal devotion or a personal relationship with God? Uh, did he just forget God? I mean, he was lonely by himself. You know, he was a shepherd and you know, I just I don't know uh, if he was just devoted to God every day. But uh, nonetheless, God never forgot about him. And that is the key part. And I think many of us, uh, we find ourselves in those shoes where we might have grown up in church uh, or whatnot. And then we leave the church and we may forget about God, but God does not forget about us. And and God, he had a purpose for Moses. Uh, that's why he didn't forget about him. He had something that he wanted Moses to do. And so as he revealed himself to Moses uh, in the burning bush, of course, Moses was just he was shaking. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know what was going on. And uh, God, he, he reveals himself and 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 gives Moses the plan and tells him that he wants to use him to save the Hebrew children that were in Egypt. And of course, this seemed like this was a monstrous task. Uh, but at after hearing God uh, give him that assignment, uh, Moses, he says, God, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? 
I mean, all the fears and failures of his past, they came rushing back. I mean, surely God had the wrong person. Surely God could never use him. Uh, but again, it's not an accident or mere formality that led God to describe himself to Moses as the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He was not ashamed to be called their God, uh, despite the numerous failings of uh, these three human beings for century. This title remained one of his favorite ways of being described. And so that day at the burning bush, as God spoke these words to Moses, God was not just identifying himself. God was also reminding a deeply flawed and seemingly fugitive that God had a history of using flawed and fallible man. He had used Abraham. He used Isaac and he used Jacob despite their flaws and because of their faith. Again, because of their faith. And now he was speaking to Moses to see whether he too would be a man of faith. God is not ashamed to be the God of imperfect people. I want you to remember that. He's not ashamed. God, he used those men. And today they remind us that if we have faith, despite our failings, God can empower us to accomplish incredible things for him. Now, Moses, uh, he had a heritage of faith. Uh, Hebrews 11, 23, it says by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months uh, by his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Now, when the command went out from the king that every baby boy should be turned over to Pharaoh's guards to be cast into the river, Moses's mother and father, they both refused. Now, these God fearing parents, they undertook the impossible task of keeping a newborn baby quiet. Why do I say it's impossible? I mean, because I have a young child myself. I've I've dealt with newborns and the only way to keep them quiet is to always have them fed and to always change their diapers. And if you can imagine what their parents or what Moses's parents went through to constantly. I mean, Moses probably was a little thick baby. I mean, I would have fed him on the hour every hour uh, if I was trying to keep him quiet. And I mean, every time. I fed him. I probably would have changed him 15 to 30 minutes after. Uh, they're probably sleepless nights uh, when they were worried about the baby crying and someone finding out. But but they had faith. Uh, they had faith uh, that God was going to work it out. By faith, they hid him for three whole months. They were not afraid of the king. Why? Because faith trumps fear. When they realized it was no longer possible to hide Moses away, they showed even greater faith. Moses' mother put him in a plant made basket and it was all by faith. Uh, she carried him to the waters of the Nile River and left him floating among the reeds. She left her little boy in God's hand. Faith means when we reach the end of hum human ability, we launch our hopes out on the deep and we trust in God to keep them afloat. In both their determination to hold on and their willingness to let go, Moses' parents displayed their faith in God, and they are now mentioned among the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, as we continue to read the story of Moses, we find that he also developed the faith uh, of his own in which I believe started with his parents. Uh, 
It is very likely his parents taught him the faith of their fathers. They instilled in him that he was a Hebrew and not an Egyptian. Yet Moses eventually had to make a decision to have faith for himself. Uh, we find in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, beginning at verse 24, that uh, it says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses made his parents faith personal, uh, even after he was taken from their home and moved into the Egyptian palace. And even when he was trained in all the knowledge, customs and pagan lore of the Egyptians, uh, as he stood at that burning bush, Moses could only look back and see his past failures. He was a murderer. He failed to unite his people uh, and gain their support. Uh, without the popular support of his people, Moses, uh, Moses' attempt at becoming a freedom fighter, it died with his first blow. And so Moses, he fled uh, rather than facing the king's wrath. You can imagine that shame and the feeling of, of cowardice uh, must have plagued Moses for all those years in the wilderness. Moses' sister had once summoned the courage to speak to Pharaoh's daughter on his behalf, but Moses had fled uh, and left his sister and his brother behind. He had abandoned his family and his people to slavery, resigned himself to exile, and accepted the death of his dreams. So by the time he stood at that burning bush, Moses had all but forgotten his faith. No doubt Moses was disillusioned by his failures. I mean, a prince of Egypt does not spend 40 years herding sheep on the backside of the desert unless he has given up on himself and what he perceived to be his mission. Moses thought his people would, would, would unite behind him. He thought he could deliver them from slavery, but he failed. We can only imagine how much time he had to mull over those failures during endless days watching over the grazing flock. How many times did he beat himself up mentally and emotionally over his failings? Moses thought he was placing his faith in God, but he had put too far much faith in himself. He was, after all, mighty in words and deeds. He was no helpless slave. He was a powerful prince, no doubt trained in all the military skills and tactics of Egypt, which was one of the most advanced and powerful nations in the world at that time. He was trained in oratory skills. Uh, he was trained in leadership skills. And to all appearances, he was the perfect candidate to lead an uprising of his people. Yet he failed. Many times, the more natural ability we have, the less we realize our need to depend on God. Rest assured, God, he knew Moses' potential. In fact, God had orchestrated Moses' life to prepare him for the mission of deliverance he would one day undertake. But Moses' accomplishments in turn made him unusable at 40 years of age. He needed another 40 years to get over himself and to learn to rely on God. And so Moses was seemingly forgotten for 40 years on the backside of the desert. Surely he felt forgotten 
He felt rejected and cast aside as a failure. And I mean, I think we all go through similar desert times uh, in our lives. Yet the amazing thing is that God knew along exactly. He knew the whole time where Moses was and what he was doing. And when the time was right, God did not have to search the world to find Moses. No, he pinpointed a bush right beside Moses and it burst into flames. Moses, he could only look back at his forsaken faith and his deep failures, but God was looking forward and he was looking ahead uh, to Moses's future. God, he cast a fresh vision before Moses <clears throat> and God, he, he promised deliverance from slavery. Uh, he said in Exodus three and eight, he says, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Egyptian slavery is symbolizes sin and bondage to our past and our mistakes. Uh, God, he promises to bring us out of all of that. And he wants to use us once we free our, or once we are free ourselves. Uh, he wants to use us to bring the message of deliverance uh, to others. Now, God, he he went on to promise a new land. And he, he says that he wants to bring them up out of the land unto a good land, into a large, into a land flowing with milk and honey. God does not just bring us out of sin without providing a better alternative. He does not intend for us to wander in the wilderness, a uh, limbo between the world and his kingdom. No one can live long in such a place, struggling to avoid doing evil, but without a positive alternative, alternative way to live. God, he gives abundant life and eternal life in the world to come. And finally, God, he called his soon to be free people to worship and serve. Uh, Exodus 3.12 says, when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. We are not just freed from sin and not promised a wonderful alternative, but we are called to faithful service. God, he calls us out of a life of forced servitude uh, to Satan and calls us to a life of willing service to him. Something Moses did, many of us do also. And that is reject the vision God cast for his future. Uh, Moses, he questioned himself for this task. Exodus 3.11 says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel? That question, who am I, embodied all of Moses' insecurities and his deep crushing awareness of past and present failures. Besides all that, Moses, he went on to say that he was not elo uh, eloquent. Uh, he was slow of speech and of tongue. Uh, he was no longer mighty in word and deed in his mind, uh, but instead he felt that he was a broken man. Uh, Moses, he also questioned who God was. He says, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, the God of your fathers had sent me unto you and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? When we are focused on our own failures, we often forget who God is, but God can overcome and even minister through our failures. Moses, he also doubted his people's reception of him. Uh, for in Exodus 4.1, uh, it says that Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me nor hear my voice, for they will say the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. 
Moses had a lack of belief and a lack of belief in ourselves and who our God is will often lead us uh, to assume no one else will believe us either. Even while standing in front of the burning bush and hearing the very voice of God speaking aloud, Moses still could not commit to the vision God was casting for him. And despite Moses' past failures and his present lack of faith, God still persisted. God reminded Moses to put the focus on God. God did not answer Moses' feelings of inadequacy uh, by assuring Moses that he was perfect for the job or or reminding him of how great and eloquent he once was. Uh, he didn't try to build up his confidence. Instead, God said, certainly I will be with you. The success or failure of Moses's mission was not based on who he was or his personal abilities, but rather on who God was. Uh, whether we are perfect for the job is not what is important, uh, but rather whether God is with us. In answer uh, to Moses' fear of not speaking well, God reminded him, Hey, who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. Likewise, Jesus assures us that when we are speaking for him, the Spirit will give us the words to say. It is not about us. It is all about him. God showed Moses his power. And in response to Moses' fear that the people would not believe him, God gave Moses a series of demonstrations of his power. Moses' staff had become a serpent. Uh, Moses, got le uh, Moses got leprosy and was healed. Uh, Moses could turn water into blood. When we go out on a mission God send us on, we should not fear people's rejection. We should have confidence God will confirm his word with miracles, signs, and wonders. I want to finish uh, with this. Uh, even after all God's assurances and demonstrations of power, uh, Moses, he still said, Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Moses was still looking around for someone else to fulfill his mission. How often do we do the same thing? Uh, God had become angry with Moses, but still God did not give up on Moses. God insisted that Moses go back to Egypt, but he chose Aaron to be Moses' mouthpiece and to bear the rod of God to do signs. Would Moses ever be fully used in the way God first intended him to be? Or had his imperfections led to Aaron replacing him in much of what God had intended to do in Moses? When they first arrived in Egypt, Aaron, he spoke to the people of Israel and to Pharaoh. Aaron, he did the signs that God had given them, both before Israel and before Pharaoh. Aaron, he threw down the rod and it became a serpent, devouring all the magician serpent. Aaron, he smote the Nile River and it became blood. Aaron smote the earth and it became life. But then came a shift. Suddenly, we see Moses holding the rod of God. 
He stretched it toward heaven and thunder, lightning and hail responded. He stretched it over the land and the east wind brought locust swarms across the land. Finally, with the Red Sea ahead and the thundering hooves of Pharaoh's chariots closing in on behind them. Moses, he thrust out his rod over the waves and he brought a rushing wind so powerful. It drove back the sea into a foaming wall on either side, leaving a path of dry land for God's people to march across to freedom. Moses, a murderous fugitive and a stuttering shepherd, led the miraculous exodus of Israel. No one could have done this except the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob the God who empowers imperfect people. Despite all his reluctance and excuses, Moses is ultimately was uh, willing to obey God's calling and that willingness was all God needed. I ask you today as we end this message, are you willing?